Um, this morning, I want us to continue into the, the return of Jesus, um, something that the Lord has really spoken to me um, over the last, I would say the last year when I woke up one morning and he said, be ready for I am coming quickly. So we begin a, um, a series on, on the return of Jesus. We cover different topics. Um, I'm going to try to stay straight. Cover a different topic. Uh, we looked at different aspects. And uh, again, every time I'm about to share a word, um, I had a very interesting week. I don't know how your week was. My week was quite intense in, in that sense. But I believe that God has a word for each one of us this morning. As a matter of fact, I woke up this morning and uh, I have a prophetic word for someone I will share a bit later on as well. And if we have the opportunity to spend some time praying, we're going to do that depending on the time and depending on what the Lord says to us. So as we begin to look into uh, the return of Jesus, um, we talked about how the world has changed. We talked about the different agenda that has been in place. And it's got to raise the following questions to all of us is, are these the sign of the end times, speaking about prophet through the Bible and Jesus himself? Now, for most of us, we believe that we are now in end times. And Jesus even himself likened the, the, the end times to birth, um, and I would say labor pain. Now, for our mothers here, uh, they know how painful the labors can be as the babies come through. Um, we can see that. Now, as we hear toward, this is quite loud. Can you lower me a little bit? Thank you. As we're heading toward the return of Jesus, we are now beginning to experience more and more traumas. But I mentioned the first time we begin the series that according to the Bible, there are key events that will take place uh, and affect the whole world. Number one is the rapture of the church, which is found in the book of Thessalonians. 4, 16, and 17, when he says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in a cloud to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. So that is the rapture that's going to be taking place in this world, people of the world are going to experience believers, many Christians, be violently taken away by Jesus and be with Jesus in the hair in that sense. And because of the technology of today, everyone will know they will have a, 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 a snap a notification on their, on their phone. On Sky News will tell, they will see many people vanishing from the earth in a blink of an eye. The second thing that the world is going to experience is the invasion of Magog against Israel, which is found in the book of Ezekiel chapter 38. Now, I'm not going to go into it today, but eventually we will be doing a study of the book of Ezekiel, specifically focusing on end time. For those who are joining me on a Wednesday evening, that will be one of our topics that we'll be looking when all the Arab countries will unite together and will invite Israel um, in, a, in a moment and the God will miraculously intervene and then just to really protect Israel at that time. Then number three, we got the arrival and reign of the Antichrist, also known as the beast. So there will be a man that will come into power here, reign here for seven years. And um, people will liken him to Christ. This is why it's called the Antichrist. But he will subdue the whole world under his hand for seven years and will persecute the Christian that will be living on the earth and those who will oppose his regime as well. 
which will be culminating in the Battle of Armageddon when all the countries on the world will gather together to wage war against the Antichrist and then Jesus will return with the saint to set up his millennial kingdom. The, the earth will also experience a lot of cataclysm. I mean, we see earthquakes and, and pestilence right now, but what the earth, the earth is going to experience in those days is going to be probably 10 to 50 times much harder than we are seeing now. So it's really going to be a tough time, but I thank Jesus for the rapture. I thank that we won't have to see it for those who believe that will be taken away before it. And then number six, when I mentioned the millennium kingdom, Jesus will literally come on earth with a scent and he will establish a millennium kingdom for a thousand years. You know, in the book of Revelation 24, it says this, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the soul of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They are not worshipped the beast or its image and are not received its mark on their forehead, on their hand. They came to, li they came to life and reign with Christ for a thousand years. I'll tell you what, when we are looking the way the world is going at the moment, he got a hold to the hope of this reign with Christ. First of all, to the rapture and then to living with him on this earth for a thousand years. And the last point, number seven, there will be a new earth and a new Jerusalem found in the book of Revelation 21.1. Now, all those seven that I mentioned, they've been prophesied by different prophets, that's Daniel, Ezekiel, uh, John the Apostle uh, as well, and even Jesus, and most of the seven were recording in different book. Now, what I have to say, this prophecy, they were revealed to prepare us and to give, to give us hope. You know, they know just for the sake of just reading, and this is a nice story, they really to prepare us and to get us ready for it. So, we asked this question over the last time I, I, I shared with you, the last few months, how do we prepare for his return? And we spoke, number one, faith, which is the first element of preparation. You know, we've got to believe that Jesus is coming back. That is the first point. If you don't believe that Jesus is coming back, then there is no point. We've got to believe that he's coming. Because when Jesus said, he's coming back, mean he's coming back. And we looked at what faith is, which is basically the ability to believe. And to simplify it, I say faith is simply having the confidence that the future things God has revealed in his written word or through a prophetic word or revelation will come to pass. And that is really what faith is all about. It's the ability to believe the word of God, whether through the written word, whether through prophetic word or revelation. Then we looked also into obedience and trusting. You know, I spoke a lot about trusting in a process. You know, sometimes when we've got to be allow God to do things in a way that he does it and trust it that whatever the word that he's spoken to us will come to pass. Our time is not easy. You know, I share that with you and many of us are, have experiences where trusting in a process is not easy. But it is a journey. You know, I can't come standing you. I trust in the process. It is a journey. You know, when things are going right, it's easy to trust God. It's very easy to trust God when everything, you made a prayer and five minutes later you pray and say, it's easy to trust God. It's easy to give glory to God. But when things doesn't come, when you trust God and you lose your job, and you're thinking the bill has got to be paid, and you're praying, and you're not hearing him at all, you don't hear him. 
It's not even you hear God say, not now. You know, sometimes you want to hear God say something to you. Even if he tell you, I will answer you in two months, at least you know that there's an answer in two months. But when you don't know, and you got to pay that bill, you know, that, that rent's coming, that mortgage is coming tomorrow, or you got to get to work and you don't have petrol to pull in a car, and you're thinking, I got to trust God. And that's a trust in the process. What I found with God is his intervention, for me, is not timely. But for him, it is. For him, it is. I want the things now. But sometimes God will wait, will wait to the last second before intervening. Like I said, our timing, we say, God, no, nah, I don't like that. And listen, it's stressful. I thank God I have a good heart because those situations are very difficult. You are waiting here sitting, you know, the person's about, you know, you need to give them money tomorrow. Or this is it. Or you're done. And you pray, you pray, you pray. And you still can't hear it. And you're kind of thinking, Am I, have I done something wrong? Have I done something wrong, Jesus? Am I, you know? And, and you're going to search for ways. Have I opened the door? You know, when the super spiritual people, the door is open. I've got to pray because I've got to close the door. But sometimes nothing to do with an open door. It's just God wants to increase your faith in him. So what he does, he waits. And sometimes there's another situation that needs to take place before that money comes. Maybe somebody needs to give you the money, but he doesn't have it yet. And maybe he will have it the day just before you pay your rent. So you wait. And then you wake up in the morning. Ding, ding. You know notification on your bank when money comes in. And you look at your phone, and the money is right here. Now, that is a testimony. So you can come to the phone and say, I truly trust God. Because in the midst of this situation, he did not forsake me. As your word said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I've experienced this so many times. And so many times I've experienced the moment when I say, do I trust him? That is the process. So we spoke about the obedience and trust God. You know, I love this proverb. Proverb 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean upon, upon your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he shall direct your path. You see, why I love this, when I read the scripture, it says in all your ways. It doesn't mean just one thing, just acknowledge this one. He wants to know every. He wants you to acknowledge him about everything. And as you do that, he will now begin to give direction and what to do. And then last month, we touched about let me do his things and be still and know that he is Lord. Or let him do his thing, you know, as people will say. When God gives us a prophetic word... And I said it, our first reaction is usually joy. You get excited. You know, you get excited. Those who receive the word from Prophet Kingsley, who came in two weeks ago, they are excited because there are some powerful words that he shared. And then we anticipate, we expect the word to come again, as I said, after a certain time, you know. And it doesn't come because there is a time and a season for everything. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, 14 says this. For I know the thought 
that are faint towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, if you got your Bible, you can circle this. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. What he says, he says that when we call upon the Lord, when we go and pray to him, what he does is listen. So, this situation of prayer, God always listens to our prayers. That's the first thing. is listening to our prayers. And he says this, and you will seek me and find me. I love this scripture. Knock on the door and the door shall be opened. Seek me and you shall find me. Ask and you shall receive. Those are the words of the Lord Jesus himself speaking those words. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. When I think about the scripture, God desires us to have a future and a hope. You know, the thought that God has toward us, as he said, is peace and not of evil. On the other hand, Satan, all he wants is to destroy us. That's all he cares. I mean, let, let me be blunt. That's all he cares about, to destroy us, literally to destroy us. So as I mentioned last time, the word of prophecy takes a while to come through. Sometimes the opposite happens. You know? I remember Joseph. He had uh, two dreams, two wonderful dreams when he would be at the top of the world. And the next thing that happened to him, he was nearly killed by his brothers, sold as a slave. And even when he was sold as a slave, God favored him with the person he was under him. And he thought, okay, maybe that's going to work out. And then the wife of his master came and see, tried to seduce him. He ran away. Then he was accused of rape, put in prison for so many years. You know, as a man like that, you would have think that, that prophecy is not going to come. It's not going to come. You know, he's waiting at least nearly 15 to 20 years in prison before the prophecy was fulfilled when he became the prime minister of Egypt. And as a matter of fact, saved all Israel because of him. But God needed to position him at a certain time in order for Israel to be saved. So sometimes the prophetic word will take a while. Sometimes we take the prophetic word into our own hand. Abraham, for example, he was promised a hair that would go beyond the stars. And being a whole man, you could understand him and his wife was, was barren. You could understand that he may think that this is not going to happen. So they decided to create their own son in that and They created their own way of blessing from God. Ishmael came along and then... Um, Isaac was born after. Now, when you look at today, Ishmael, you know, is the first of the Arabs countries. So the Arabs country descend from Ishmael and obviously Isaac from Israel. And the conflict between Ishmael and Israel, we dated from the time they were children, is still going on today in those days. So there are indeed consequences sometimes in doing 
what God's done that asked us to do. There are consequences sometimes in taking matters into our own hands. You know, there's something that we need to, to look into. When the Lord calls us to be, or call us, or his word come, or when he speaks to us, as I said, it can take two minutes, it can take two days, five days, month, years. You know, it took 40 years for Moses to fulfill his, his, his um, you know, the prophetic that was upon him. It took 15 over 30, 20, 30 years for Joseph. For some of us, we're still waiting for these words to be fulfilled. But I want to encourage you this morning that God listen, and there's a timing for this prophecy to be fulfilled. So whatever word has been spoken into your life, you know, over the last few months, the last few weeks, the last few years, be assured that it will come to pass. Just make sure that you continue to pray into this prophetic word. I had a, a first prophetic word before I, befe- before I became a Christian, and I didn't know at the time these guys was speaking in tongues. I thought it was crazy uh, in those days. But he was praying and fasting at work most of the time. And he gave me a prophetic word that I never forgot in that sense. I'm still waiting for it. But I can see the direction of my life that's taking now is leading towards it. In 2003, uh, when I gave my life to Jesus, I think that was back in, in May, I remember clearly, I think it was the, the week before, two weeks before you got married, I think. You know, I gave my life to Jesus. Um, and then in the summer, we had, I missed those times. We used to call it camp. I don't know if you guys remember. Refreshed. It's called refresh now. We used to call it camp. And we basically used to go on retreats, you know, in Derbyshire. It was a lovely. It was brilliant. And, you know, we hanging around together and learned, you know. And, and I think we're young Christian. We just arrived. God be saved for month to month. And then this tall, Ghanaian, powerful man, very skinny, you know, came in. I didn't know him. Prophet Anno, he came in, you know. And uh, I didn't really understand prophetic what he was. And uh, he was sharing on a word about partnering with the Holy Spirit. See, I can't, when God gives you a prophetic word, you need make sure that you don't forget that word. Keep it in your heart. He, gave, he, he shared about partnering with the Holy Spirit, and he started calling people who want to partner with the Holy Spirit. And the world came to the front, you know, and, and praying. You know, I could hear people praying the Spirit. didn't understand what they were doing. So I was just waiting here, and, you know, my, my little man, you know, just like that, you know. And he was pacing around. And then he looked at me, and he called, by my, he called me by my name. Listen, I didn't, Nikki didn't tell anything to him. I didn't know him. He called me by my name. And he called me, and he started praying over me about his prophetic. I, I've got it written, so it's still there. It's still there, you know. But that was the word that kept me in the way. That, that moment, that prophetic word kept me in, in that sense. And uh, as I want to share this this morning, it's important for us to make sure that whatever God is speaking to you, keep it in your heart. Hold it dear, because it will come to pass. As I said, there's a timing, there's a season, there's a process to this. But in the end, it will come to pass. I want to talk about Jesus today. You know, briefly, I want to try to 
talk about Jesus, but I sense this morning, I have, like I said, I want to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to, to prophesy and speak to different ones if we're allowed to. This is my fourth point in terms of the return of Jesus, you know. How do we prepare for his return? We got to know him. We got to learn to know Jesus. How can you prepare for Jesus' return if you don't even know who he is? How can you? You cannot prepare for Jesus if you don't know him. So it's important that we learn to know Jesus. And I want us to turn to Matthew 24 from verse 3 to 6. If we can put it on the screen as well for us. Thank you. He says this. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciple came to him privately. And he said, tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear, hear of wars and rumors of war, but see that, it, that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Verse 4, I said again, from the New Kingdom's Version. Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Let's pause on a little bit on this, on this scripture. If you go back to verse 5, please. For many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and will deceive many. We need to know Jesus. You know, Jesus was having this private conversation. So it wasn't common knowledge when he was referring in, in that sense. He was teaching the disciple about the end times. And when you think about it, Today, most of the unbelievers don't even know what is about to take place. Some of our believers, even in our church, don't even know what is going to take place. But it is says that the end times were one of the most talked topics of the Bible. It's an important topic. And the people that were having this conversation with Jesus were Peter, John, James, and Andrew. They came to the Mount of Olives, and they went to talk to him. You know, Jesus had ministered to people. He had spent his time ministering to people. And as you will know, Jesus from time to time, he, can, he would kind of retreat, you know, and have his own private time. And those four guys, those four disciples came to him. Now, how do we know that it was Peter, John, James, and Andrew? Because we see it in Mark 13, 3. In Mark 13, 3, if we can put it on the screen, it's on the screen so it says this. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately. So that was a private conversation from these four disciples coming to Jesus and were really interested to know about the end times. So what Jesus done, Jesus gave them one of the longest recorded answer from chapter 24 all the way to chapter 25. He's talking about end times. And he's given them this, this prophetic word. That's a long prophetic word. And one of the things that he says here is challenging us to be watchful. To be watchful. 
Jesus said that there would be deception and there would be false messiah. He asked us to keep our eyes open and to be watchful. When you think about it, and I'm done to be a research here, over the centuries, the 20th century, 21st century, but there have been numerous people that have come and that have proclaimed themselves to be a messiah. Arnold Potter, he claimed the spirit of Jesus Christ entered into his body and he became Potter Christ, son of the living God. That was 19th century. He said that he died in attempt to ascend into heaven by jumping off a cliff. His body was later retrieved and buried by his followers. Jesus Oyingbo, Nigerian, man who proclaimed himself to be Jesus Christ returned. You know, make us looking on the side, you know. Don't worry. They are coming from every region, every country. And he was born in 1950, 1980. He proclaimed himself to be Jesus. Alan John Miller, more, com more commonly known as A.G. Miller, he was a former Jehovah Witness elder and is a current leader of the Australia-based Divine Truth Movement, so he's still alive. He claimed to be Jesus Christ reincarnated with other in the 20th century to spread messages that he called the divine truth. And he's still sending delivered messages in seminars and, and, and formal media. And now with TikTok, with social media, with Facebook, he must have millions of followers in that sense. Jim Jones, founder of the People Temple, we know that's a famous one. Pample Temple, which started off as an offshoot of a mainstream Protestant sect before becoming a personality cult as time went on. He claimed to be the reincarnation of Jesus. I mean, David Koresh, another famous one, born in Vernon Wayne Orwell. He was the leader of Branch Davidian, religious sect in Texas, and he himself proclaimed that he was the final prophet and the son of God. In 1983, and what happened? In 1983, a raid by the U.S. and FBI, they came in and Koresh, 54 adults, 21 children were found dead after the fire storm, which he said. He basically burned the whole place down, killed himself and all his followers. We need to know Jesus. There's too many you know, cowboys out there who proclaim themselves to be Christ. It, it, that can't happen. But Jesus said it in the last day. You know, I was wondering, I look at the scripture, and if you can put it again. I thought to myself, when Jesus starts speaking about those, those, those four disciples, he may start talking about the Antichrist coming or the, the earthquake and this. No, what does he start with? It starts to say that there will be many Christ. So that's the first thing that is referred to. Many Christ. Do not be deceived because there are many false Christ that I will come and proclaim themselves to be Christ. This is the first thing that Jesus mentioned. Deception. Jesus is concerned about the people being deceived in that sense. Do you know that deception is one of the greatest weapons of the enemy? That's the first thing. When you look in the book of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, 
Adam and Eve were having a wonderful time. They were naked. They didn't even know they were naked. They were enjoying the fruits. They were enjoying their relationship. They were enjoying the relationship with God. They were enjoying the Garden of Eden. And suddenly, her eyes start drifting toward that tree. And as she moved towards the tree, Satan moved towards the tree as well. And he was at the tree before Eve went there. He was there before. He was waiting there on the tree, waiting for Eve to come. When you look at this, look back in Genesis. They didn't say that Satan arrived at the tree. She said when she saw the tree and he found appealing, she was interested. Then she heard that she saw the serpent that was there. So he was there watching and waiting for her to come. He was waiting. And that's what deception is. Deception starts very small. You don't even realize it. I've seen many of our brothers and sisters in Christ that we came in 2003 and some of our brothers and sisters are not here anymore. But they were strong leaders, ministers, and God has a great plan for them. But something on the way changed their mind. Something stopped them. Deception. Something that starting small. No, Eve didn't just say to her, oh, I'm going to eat it. No, she must have looked at that tree and that fruit for a while. And then one day, she decided to go. And the interesting thing, when she went, Adam wasn't near. Adam was meant to protect her. You know, I said to myself, at time, I don't know what God's going to say to me when I go to heaven. But do you know the role of a husband is so tough? Because we've got to give account to our wives. We've got to present them to God. And if we don't do that, they're not gonna, God's not going to blame them. He's going to blame us. Because we are responsible for our wives. And Adam was meant to be watching his wife. So she goes on. She gets it. And Satan waits. And then the deception comes and takes it away. And that's what it is. So Jesus wants us clearly not to be deceived. Because the first thing that would come is false Christ. Right now the world is looking for miracles. That's what they're looking for. This is why there is an emphasis for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But also with the power of God. Because the word alone is not going to change some of the people. You've been sharing the word and evangelizing to some people. They're still doing their things. And I was speaking to Miles this morning, and I was saying to her, the reason people don't want to come to church and they don't want to be said is because they love their life too much. That's the reason. I hear that many times, and I say, people say, yeah, I don't want to be an hypocrite, so I'm not going to come now when I'm ready. But because they don't want to live their lives. Some of them, they're scared to leave the things that they're doing because they know that the life of a Christian, it is not an easy life. It is not an easy life. When I became a Christian, and my spiritual father, Nikki, was, he was tough, man. And I'm happy he was tough. Because I'm a tough cookie. So I'm happy he was very tough. He would call me, man. I'm getting ready to go to the club, you know, enjoy myself. That was the first few weeks that I was getting in. Then I see, look at that Thompson. 
Hey, brother, where are you? <sighs> yeah, I'm all right. And we argue on the phone. And at the end of the day, he said, okay. He hung up the phone. But I got convicted. So I'm not going. But I enjoyed the life at the beginning. And don't feel offended if you speak to your brothers and sisters and they tell you they don't want to know about Jesus, don't want to know about church. You keep praying for them. You keep praying for them. That's all you can do. Because right now, the life that they're living, they love it. They love that life. They love going out. They love do whatever they want to do without having pastor telling you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you got to do this, you got to do that. For young Christians at times, it can be tough. When Master and I were courting and ready to go to see our family together, yeah. My dear Pastor Joseph, loving to bet, he came to me and said, you guys can't go. We can't go. And I said, why not? He said, you can't go. You're not married. You can't go. Master's, you know. So she went on her own, and I didn't go because I listened. Now, you tell these young guys you can't go, or if you go away together, you're not married, you have to have a separate bedroom. They're not listening to you. Get in the same room. Living together. Listen, am I speaking the truth or not? As a Christian, there are certain rules that we need to abide to. And because of those rules, people don't want to come. They don't want to come. But the reality is, if you're not married, you can't go and just... You know, go in the same room with the same person. You can't. You shouldn't. You can, but you shouldn't. You know. And that's the thing. So Jesus speaks to us about the deception. The deception. The deception. I'm going to stop there because I know my time is running out. And I really, I got a few words. I, I have a word this morning for someone that I want to share. And next time I will focus on Jesus. How do we stay focused? This morning as I was preparing, and um, I would like to pray for you. And, and I don't know, um, Chanel, I don't know if you're is time watching me online or it's not. It's a shame. It's a shame because I had a word this morning. And if you want, I want us to pray for you, you know. The Lord showed me a vision this morning. Here, we're in church. I saw a little girl just running, and I saw Tammy just running after her. And he wanted to tell me to tell you this. You know, trust in the process. You know, we want to pray for you this morning. Whatever is him, we want to release it. Because that's what he showed me. He said, tell him. So if he's not here, if he's listening, thank the Lord. If he's not, you can go and tell him. I saw a little girl just running here. You know, last was going running here. And Tom was just running after her. It's beautiful. God's miracles. Listen. I've seen miracles. You know, Marcia here, she doesn't mind sharing me this. She wasn't meant to have any children. Not one at all. Because of a medical condition, she will explain it to you guys when she's ready. The doctor said to her that she won't be able to have any children. And God gave her three. Three children. Even the one that's sitting at the back was born at 25 weeks. It was a premature baby born at 25 weeks. Now you look this tall guy over there. You won't recognize it. This is what God is capable. And he wanted to tell me that he saw, I saw that little girl running. And I saw him running after her. Please come to the phone. I want to pray for you.